I have a four-step financial analysis workflow that I do for every real estate syndication that I look at. Now, having an actual formal process is critical and understanding financial analysis is the backbone. It's the only thing that's going to make you truly successful in as a real estate syndicator or a real estate uh, fund manager. So I hope you find this useful. I used to have a training program about two, uh, two or three years ago. It was called Altitude uh, and Altitude, uh, that's why it's called the Altitude Four-Step Financial Analysis. This is still the same analysis that I use today on every deal that I look at. So it all starts with, as we talked about last week, it starts with these basic facts and assumptions. We talked about last week how there is a range and how uh, in the very beginning of your analysis, it starts very, very fact-based with a little bit of assumptions-based uh, and then it changes, though, from there. Uh, it starts getting, as time goes on, and as we go from just needing NOI to getting a, a pro forma or a five-year cash flow, we start getting more and more assumptions. And so there are some assumptions that we make along the whole process, and we'll see that go on. Uh, but we also have assumptions that are that we determine at the very beginning. So after we determine what our basic facts and our assumptions are, we then go through and figure out what our NOI is and our potential value. And I say potential value because there is a big assumption there in determining value. Uh, we're applying a cap rate of a market cap rate. This property hasn't been appraised. It's just what we think it would go for. Um, and so, there we go. So after our uh, we've determined our NOI and our potential value, let me get this out of the way. After we've determined our NOI and our potential value, we then are looking at, um, at cash flow. And so here again is getting a lot more assumption based. And then finally, after we've determined what the cash flow looks like, we have performance. So these are the four steps. Under performance, I consider that not only how is the property potentially doing, what are those projections about return, but I also look at it as uh, how would it perform as a syndication? Uh, how do those measures line up? So performance is really tied into not only just the regular, what's the IRR potential potentiality of the property, but also those measures on, is this even a good investment for us to look at? So under these, each of these has, we'll choose a different pen color. Actually, I need to move this again. Uh, 
Let me do that again. So we're going to do this in blue. So now in each of these are different, what we call uh, uh, different pieces of the puzzle that go underneath them all. So under here, obviously, if we're talking about basic facts and assumptions, we've got facts. Oh, that's. We've got facts. We've got assumptions. We have market data. Under, uh, uh, and so those are the, the key things that go into that main step. Now, under the next step, the NOI and potential value, here we've got rent roll, which also feeds into income, and we have operating expenses. Now, that's not surprising because these are what comes up in our NOI calculation. Under cash flow, we have things like debt. We have capital expenses. Actually, I like to call, I think I'm going to call them other expenses. Uh, we have reserves. And interestingly, we have a uh, we have taxes. Now, taxes isn't really something we consider very much on uh, on the when we're doing a, a syndication, uh, but it is important to know what the the after tax cash flow is as well, just because you may still need it for whatever your other purposes are. If you have somebody who's actually going to be buying it free and clear, things like that, it's useful to know, and it fits in just fine on our cash flow because all of those same things also feed into our discussion of you know uh, all the things that are taxed also feed into our dis uh, our discussion on whether or not it is a good uh, how the performance is and so in performance that we consider a few other things we consider the purchase and the sale we consider the equity. Uh, and then we consider measures. And so these parts all go to our four-step program. Now, there are at almost every level, I'm gonna move this again. I think we'll just erase that. All right. Uh, there are at almost every level, actually, oops. There are at almost every level, and the most important thing out of this that I'm trying to get across is there are different levers that move each of the main uh, functions. So, there are a series of levers 
that come from NOI uh, that uh, change our NOI and our potential value. Agree. Um, so these are the NOI levers. We have our income amounts, and that's rent roll, things like that. And a lot of those things start off as facts, right? So the whatever the, le the income is, is the income, or so you think, but we also have some things that it just income, like whether or not we're choosing to do pass-throughs and whether or not we'd be able to pass through everything that we're thinking of, what we're using for a vacancy factor, what we're using for a credit factor, things like that. Uh, so I put it as a broad idea just to start thinking about income is certainly a big lever and expenses is obviously a big lever. Um, and on expenses, I am specifically not saying that it is uh, that it is that we can change what we consider an operating expenses because operating expenses are parity objective. It's pretty standard on what we consider an operating expense. But what we choose to use as our measure for it uh, has some assumptions built into it. Uh, there is other income. There is your vacancy, as I said, your credit risk. Uh, we've got your, your pass-throughs, uh, got management. And certainly if you are doing management yourself, how much you charge for the management is certainly a lever that you could change the, the entire NOI with, which flows all the way down to uh, basically what your, your, the return that your investors would be getting. So there are also, um, coming out of this same box, there's also levers for your potential value, right? And there, I mean, we've got our NOI, we've got our price, and we've got our cap rate. I mean, we've got, I mean, that, because price equals NOI over cap rate. So any of those things can adjust uh, obviously, what that potential value is. Out of cash flow, there are also major levers. And what you'll notice here so, our first, our first big one is NOI. NOI changes our cash flow. So these things feed up into themselves. So every single one of the levers that is within NOI is within cash flow. And you'll see as we go on, every one of the levers that's in cash flow also has an effect on performance. Uh, but some of the measures in cash flow do not have a downward effect. So they're not affecting things within NOI. So under this, we've got, uh, for example, debt. Whether or not we change our change debt has absolutely no difference on NOI. It doesn't change it one bit. And so 
it is not a, a lever of NOI, but it sure is a lever on the amount of cash flow. We also have our CapEx. We've got our asset management fees. Uh, comes out of cash flow. It's a discretionary spend, but it's coming out of that cash flow. So it is a lever that can change and it can change everything else. It changes our cash flow and it ultimately changes the return for investors. Uh, we've got our how much we are going to keep in reserves or how we're going to build up reserves. Uh, what assumptions we use for growth and what is our hold period? Um, actually, let's use, let's change hold period uh, up the level. Um, so these are the main, main levers as it relates to, uh, there we go, as it relates to uh, cash flow. Now performance has its own levers, obviously. So here we've got just like we talked about we got our we have our cash flow you know it comes up and because it comes up we also have NOI is a, is also a lever we have the price we're willing to pay and then the projected sales price we have uh sales fees. We have our uh, purchase and syndication fees. We have waterfalls. We have hold periods. And to some extent, we have what our discount rate is. All right, so here is why we're talking about this now. When we're doing financial analysis and ultimately underwriting, we're putting together a package that we can show potential investors of what we're expecting it to, how we're expecting it to perform. By understanding the different levers that take place within the, that process, financial analysis and or underwriting, the more we understand those levers, the more we can tune it to being a, uh, an asset that will work in order for investors to be interested at all. It's also important to kind of get how it all goes together like this, because when you're having those conversations and if you're dealing with a more sophisticated in investor, it's much easier when you've got the framework in your head about what this looks like to switch gears, switch gear, switch gear and know what they're talking about and be able to get it back to uh, really addressing what their question is or if they have a particular issue or they just want to know why you're doing something the way you're doing it. If you have the model in your head, it really makes sense. And that's also why we're talking about underwriting and financial analysis at all in this program. Because theoretically, you could just take, you know, the simple thing off of a, off of a, uh, the sales brochure that you're getting, then and use that for your underwriting and figure out, okay, well, we're going to 
we're going to be making this much money and just kind of hope that everything works out. But it, if you have all these things in mind, you've got now you can have real conversations with investors about how everything works. And then you can also fine tune it as it's going and, uh, and make determinations. Maybe you've decided, well, I don't think our reserves is high enough, but that how is that going to affect everything else? Well, it's going to, if I need to increase my reserves, that means I have less cash flow, which means that my ultimately the timing of get my distributions is going to get thrown off, which means that I will need to let my investors know, hey, look, the overall return for this period isn't going to be what we thought it would be because we really want to build up those reserves. So you can be having those kind of conversations when you get the model and you can make changes on the fly. So let's go to, uh, let me ask if, there, if there's questions yet. Alejandro, do you have a question? any questions so far? Nope, okay, perfect. Let me know if you do. All right, so let's switch to, this spreadsheet. All right, so here, and this might look a little familiar, this is the CCIM uh, uh, underwriting workbook. And I chose to start here rather than using what we were using uh, two videos ago or one video ago as well, because a lot of people will be more familiar with these sheets I've actually added some stuff into these sheets uh, to make it a little bit more useful. And I think it will give a little bit of a basis of why, uh, of where everything goes and how it fits together when you see a different model. And then you can see how, how what I'm talking about feeds into that. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, and I put these in order as well. So um, of the four steps. So let me, so this is step one, right? This is of facts and assumptions. So these are the assumptions that are taking place within the um, within the uh, in their uh, five year analysis workbook. Uh, these and the facts are actually more built on the NOI page uh, than anywhere else. Uh, but I think it makes a little bit more sense to separate them out. So you'll see when we when we look at the uh, the four step tool that we use, the spreadsheet, it actually breaks it apart into all the different parts, just to make it a little bit more clear. And uh, so here's our assumptions. So in ordinary income tax rate, uh, capital gains tax rates, uh, straight line uh, on recapture, uh, is it 25? This is actually a 20 uh, as of today. And um, these are here because they're part of CCIM's analysis. CCIM really focuses on invest on the investor side and helping investors make uh, make good decisions. Whereas what we talk about really is more on the uh, 
the syndication side. Uh, we will go through the taxes uh, probably next week, just because it is something that you do need to know. Um, and why not? We're using it in the same sheets because it it we can, and it doesn't take much more work. Um, so here's the other assumptions. What is the vacancy rate going to be of your property? Uh, how does rent escalate? So year one, year two, year three, year four. Um, so right now we have it in 3% annual bumps. Income is, uh, other income is escalating at 3% a year. Uh, in what we're going to be using today, we're not going to be using another income. Um, Actually, no, we will be using another other income. So it, it escalates at 3% a year uh, and expenses escalates at 3% a year. So in what we're talking about, actually, the other income that we're talking about is going to be pass-throughs. So it's good that those match. Um, cap rate used in the sale. Uh, I think those are a little bit too broad. So let's bring them a little bit down. Let's say our alternative is six, 6.5 and seven. And our expense of sale, I would say, let's keep it at 6%. Uh, that means 3% per side. Actually, let's do a six and a quarter. And that will cover our escrow and title fees as well. All right, so here is, uh, let me clear that, okay. So lease analysis now is, is the next topic that we're talking about. And I decided rather than just go right to the rent rule, this is a good time to actually talk about uh, lease analysis. So let's go ahead and, uh, and put it in the right step category that we have. So this here, we are talking about um, the NOI and potential value step. So let's say this is um, the name of the building is uh, 123 Main. Uh, our first tenant is um, Joe's store. They are in suite 101. Uh, and then this is, I, I like to have a lease and a lease abstracts for every single property I do, every tenant. Um, and so uh, this really has everything that you would need. Now it has some of the things like right at the top you need to know. Obviously, a tenant is very important to know right at the top because when you're sorting through them, uh, that's how you're going to sort through them. All right, uh, date of lease is uh, the date the lease was signed. The term is how many, how many years it is. Uh, the rent is whatever that rent is. Uh, the expiration date is that. Um, so let's say this is June 1, 2021. Say five year term. Uh, and we'll deal with rent later. Um, and then this would be May 31st, 2026. Uh, let's say it is a 2,500 square foot building. Uh, 
and we are, you know, how many parking spaces they've been allocated. I'm assuming this is going to be just a two unit building. Uh, and so we'll just uh, leave that blank. Term in months, 60. Uh, so you can put the security deposit, the renewal options. You want to fill this out completely when you're doing your full analysis anyway, because then you've at least got it in one very nice, easy to see area. And this uh, section over here where we've got the paragraph number, that that uh, is for exactly where it is in the lease. So premises is often in paragraph 1.1, permitted use is oftentimes in paragraph 4.1, square footage is often in 1.1, uh, parking is like in 1.4, I think. Um, term is in, uh, normally it's in two. And this is just from, you know, from having done this. Uh, security deposit, I think is in three, but I don't remember. Um, and renewal options is oftentimes like in maybe 4.5 or so. And now we've got a rental period. So let's say we've got in year one. So let's say six slash one slash 2021. And then it is, um, say uh, through five slash 31 slash 2022. So dollars per month, uh, let's say that they are at um, $5,000 per month, uh, which means that they are also in $60,000 per year, $2 a square foot. Um, and then we can figure out what escalations are gonna be. But I just wanted to quickly go, you know, how we do this uh, and you'll see why in a minute. It has uh, a lot of other great ideas for, you know, putting in who pays for what and operating expenses. These are things that are very, very valuable to know where the different uh, parts of a lease are. Uh, it looks like I left in some uh, from a previous use. Um, so you can see like the subordination clauses in paragraph 20, uh, the uh, estoppel letters in paragraph 21. Those are all where they normally ally anyway. Um, so there's there's our first one. We've got Joe's store. So let's do one more quick one. Um, we've already filled that in. So let's say this is um, Bob's restaurant. And so let's say just for fun that they started at the same time and they're both on five-year leases. Um, so uh, premises is in suite 102. Uh, square footage is, let's put him at 3,500 square feet. So fairly good sized restaurant. Um, and so in, he's starting and there we'll, we'll put him at six one, oops. Oops. And let's put him at um, let's put him at a, a very different uh, dollar amount. Let's say he starts at eight thousand per month, and now we've got uh, him paying ninety six thousand per year. 
Now, this all feeds into our rent roll, which is also still part of the NOI and potential value, right? So we've got, um, oh, this, um, this is the, the monthly rent. This is the annual rent. We've got Joe's store, Bob's store. Uh, obviously, we've got a 6,000 square foot building. So we've, we've now identified the main parts of our rent roll for the purposes of NOI and potential value. Now, this will change as we have escalations built in and it'll have uh, what pass-throughs are really coming in. But let's say that, um, that our pass-through amount is um, that we get, uh, let's say it is um, a dollar a square foot. Uh, we'll say it's $12 a square foot in cams uh, times uh, 5,000, I mean, times 2,500. And then that he is paying uh, $12 a square foot also. All right, so now we have other income as 3,600. So now let's look at the NOI sheet. Now this is the, the full uh, sheet that is coming from uh, CCIM and I've just referred to a few things in here. So what we've got is how we look at income. So the, the way that we start looking at income is that all that money that's contracted for is rent that is contractual. It's likely to occur. Um, and um, so we are basically counting on it. So that's the potential rent that you can get in this period uh, right now. Now we also count vacancies that we think are going to happen as well, uh, but you wanna make sure to, to then reduce the amount for vacancies back out in this uh, vacancy and credit losses. So don't make it less than what the actual dollar amount is. Um, you want it to be higher. So here we're using just a rough, uh, so our total, our potential rent income is that 156,000. Um, we are using a 7% figure because that came from here. That came from this assumption. We changed that, uh, the, our vacancy and credits risk to, say 5% because we don't really have any vacancy. And then suddenly now we're using 5%, that's a much lower figure. Uh, so that leaves us with an effective rental income. Now here is a big lever, right? So this is a lever. Uh, because how we change that obviously changes this dollar amount. Now, if I, let's, let's, let's put it back at seven. Oops. Uh, okay, so let's put it back at seven just for fun. And then we'll see that now, you know, it's 145.080 versus where we just changed it. Uh, to, um, oops, wrong sheet, to 148, 200. 
So obviously, it's going to change that amount of your income. And since NOI is your oper- is your income minus your operating expenses, it's levering the entire uh, equation. It's changing all those numbers. And so it's clearly just a lever to keep in mind. So let's uh, go ahead and um, come up with a few other, um, let me erase this. Oops. Oops, nope, I would rather that. That way, got nice room. All right, so let's go ahead and finish out the discussion of, uh, of our NOI calculation. Because the purpose here is now we've got that first snapshot that we're talking about. All we're trying to do is really get that big, uh, that big facts and then little assumptions. And that this part right here, that's your little assumption um, that's going to, to be changing. So uh, we've now got our income. Now we need to reduce our property, uh, our taxes. Um, and so we can put these in man, uh, by there, but I've already said that we've got a, um, that we've got a large amount of, let's see, we've got 12,000, or we've got $12 a square foot times 6,000. So we've already gotten 72,000, oops, this didn't add back in. Let me put that in because this is our other income amount. Um, so our other income is the pass-throughs in this in these two leases. Uh, that is there. And then it also is, uh, and I actually would have would rather put it in uh, in so it gets reduced by vacancy and credit loss. Uh, for whatever reason, CCIM didn't do it that way. Uh, the our spreadsheet will uh, uh, does have it, so it, it reduces that amount. Because there's really two types of income: you've got your pass-through income, which should be counted, uh, and you've got your other other income, which uh, doesn't. So uh, let's just put in hard code in that seventy-two thousand dollars of operating expenses, and now we've got left with $148,200. Interestingly, that is the same amount as our effective gross uh, rental income. So let's say we uh, find this property at a six cap. Uh, this is a property that we actually already know. We think that the purchase price is gonna be that 2280. Uh, so this is a, I'm sorry, a six and a half cap. Um, so now we've got our purchase price. Uh, and now we've got not only this, the NOI, but we've gotten the potential value. Now this is, I'm sure review, um, but the main point of why we're going through it right now is to see that here is a lever. Uh, so this is what changes everything in there. Also a lever in here is this other income, what our pass-throughs are. Because even though we've got a, uh, uh, a, an area in our lease that has these, uh, the operating expenses and who pays for what, a lot of times, probably 
I don't know, you've you've all seen it 20% of the time, 25% of the time, you'll have a landlord who's not really passing through expenses the way they can. Uh, some of your bigger operators definitely will, but your small time operators tend to get lazy, don't do increases, and uh, don't do pass-throughs really the way they're supposed to. And so that has a direct effect on ultimately what the what you collect so your income changes and then but we make assumptions when we're purchasing the property on whether or not the landlord's going to throw a tissy when we try and collect those and they do and uh, it become it can become a problem but it's an so it's an assumption that you're making that ultimately is a lever on the whole thing so under the CCIM sheets, uh, we have, uh, is it under this? So let's say, uh, we'll just leave that like that. Now, they also use uh, different measures for here. So let's say our, um, so we'll talk a little bit about cash flow because here we're at a new, uh, a whole new level, right? So this is the third step, and this is the uh, cash flow step. So now we're at the third step of the four-step analysis. Um, I think it's a little bit confusing the way that that CCIM has decided to build it out, just for other people and for really kind of seeing where those uh, where those levers are. Oops, my mouse back. So let's put in uh, the first huge lever that we come to here is we are looking at the amount of our loan. So let's say we lever it at 65% loan, which is 140, or one, 1482000. Uh, say our interest rate is 4%. Our amortization period is 25 years. Um, our loan term is, it doesn't really matter for this purpose, but we'll just say it's 10. Um, and our payments per year is uh, 12. So that's all normal. So now we've got our normal debt service uh, built into here. And so now, and I hope we have a positive cash flow. Okay, good, we do. Um, so now we've got a nice positive cash flow. We've got a nice positive cash flow. Now we've got built into our cash flow, we've still got these levers. And there isn't a considerable amount of work to do in there in the way they underwrite the sheet. Uh, but let's look at the levers specifically. So we've got we've got the debt portion, right? I mean, here's a big lever. So how what we're going to be doing uh, debt is a big, big lever, um, and that becomes a whole different topic of conversation. So we'll talk about that more next week about, about debt and how that works on here, uh, because ultimately it's such a big lever and it, it will change everything about how, you, uh, how your underwriting goes to buy that property and to really fund it with syndication, um, it becomes it becomes very critical. 
not that there's others. So, and everything comes forward, right? So like we talked about before, we've got our net operating income is a major lever. So that changes and then everything else changes in the cash flow. And so part of one of those levers too was, somehow I lost my thing, uh, is what our, this was a lever that we had from NOI as was vacancy and credit loss. So those are levers. Now we've got our interest is our lever. Uh, we're not going to go through participation payments or cost recovery. It's just, it's not important for what we're doing. Um, and uh, so our amortization, our, uh, the other things are leasing commissions, right? If you're going to need to lease the property out, that's a below the line cost that's going to be affecting you. We also have our capital expenses. Now here, uh, oops, because we are, oh, we're still in the, the taxable income calculation. Oops, and then that throws everything off that I've just done there. All right, uh, so we have our leasing commissions is one. Our funded reserves is one, remember, we talked about that. We've got our, um, I would have put capital expenses here uh, as, as an actual thing. So let's just change this. That's a lever. There's a lot of levers that go into, into this part, into the cash flow statement. And each of them changes everything that we're doing in terms of where we get. All right, does that make sense? Are you getting the topic of levers? Give me a nice yes or no. Alejandro, Christian. Yes. Yes, okay, good. So ultimately then that leads us to, um, to the, the topic of our sales. And for those who came in late, the reason that we're going through this, we'll go back over it again in the beginning just to finish up. Uh, but we're going through the four-step financial analysis. The last step is the performance step. And this is what your investors actually care about uh, more than anything else. So we've got our, our cash flows, what it would look like, what a potential sale looks like. Nothing, nothing new or exceedingly interesting. Again, taxes isn't really relevant to what the conversation of syndication. Uh, it will be part. It is part of your your sheets as well, um, just because it should be, and just so that you have that information. And so you can use it on just investment property sales, or you could do it use use it. So you can use it in brokerage, or you can use it in syndication. Um, and now here you've got ultimately your IRR uh, returns. So you sell it uh, at your nice middle, uh, your before tax is a 15% return, which is pretty good. So for this um, sample property, we've got a nice reasonable return for our investors over a five-year hold period. Now, again, we have levers in here. Um, so all of those things that, that took place here in cash flow in the here uh, but, but, but. so our our debt because this was part of cash flow 
is a lever, right? We change that, it automatically is a, a major lever. Our sales price is a lever. Um, and a lot of these, I mean, you, you don't know what it's going to sell for in five years, but we have to make assumptions. So this is one of the bigger assumptions that we have to make. So it should be a reasonable assumption and supported by evidence. Um, but then we have uh, our cost of our cost of sale. And this is your broker fees, right? So this is the amount of money that you maybe are taking uh, as a brokerage commission for half of the deal. So in this simple transaction, you're making you know over eighty thousand dollars in a for the sale of the property. Uh, I say eighty because that's half of uh, one sixty five. Um, splitting it out both. You, 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 it's a very bad idea to double end a deal uh, when you are acting as the seller. Um, so that's why uh, it's half of that. Uh, so, um, and then ultimately we've got, you know, the, the hold period is five years. Uh, and so we have a, a nice reasonable return as our result. And all of it was affected by all of those levers. So let me switch back to, to what we where we started. So all of these levers are now uh, have all added up to giving us, you know, a an IRR of 15%. But if you change any one of these things, you're suddenly going to have a change in that 15%. I mean, not really the potential value. This is there more for uh, more for brokerage than for um, uh, than specifically for what we're underwriting for here. But nevertheless, um, uh, so. Uh, but if we had changed the vacancy credit risk, our IRR would change. We, we make the credit risk or vacancy uh, percentage we're using much higher. We're suddenly gonna have that, that 15.02 fall down below, four, below 15. Uh, if you change the how you are going to be getting that your pass-throughs recovered, that's gonna also, if you think, well, I'm not gonna be able to recover it all, uh, then you're going to need to drop that down. Uh, you're in your cash flow if you decide to do an asset management fee, which these sheets don't use, that's going to reduce the amount. If you decide, okay, I need to put more to reserves, that's going to reduce the amount. Uh, so all of those things change ultimately this return that your investor is looking for. So when you come to the end of end of your analysis, what you want to have is to have a nice sheet that's well supported by by a really well done financial analysis that says, okay, this is what we're projecting and this is why. And you've balanced out to optimize it as much as possible. You've tweaked the amount of asset management versus property management versus how much debt we're going to take versus all those things to hit that target, this 15% that you are striving for. Um, so that 15% is is the goal because you've already identified through your fit that the risk tolerance level uh, for your investors is 
Now, actually, I made up the numbers completely as we were going, uh, and it just worked out perfectly to be 15%. So uh, that was great. <laughs> um, uh, but that was purely by accident. It was, I know, I know. I, I definitely deserve a lot of kudos for that. I hope you found the four-step financial analysis process to be useful to you. Uh, feel free to give me a call if you need help setting up a real estate syndication, a real estate fund, or you're looking to raise money for your business, or you're looking to, uh, you're a developer and you need additional capital. We're the people to call when you're doing a Regulation D Rule 506B or 506C offering.